0: Welcome to Work Life and Balance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable
1: office companion, Derek Lewis.
0: As always, we'll be extra (laughs) sultry, addressing some audience (laughs) questions, and taking on a few issues from the internet. With sexy voices, but first,
1: <laughs> time for the daily stand-up, I, Derek. I I did not mean to make this our Valentine special, but you know, better late than never. Sometimes I guess. it just happens. Yeah, yeah. I just felt like you know what? For some reason, I feel I feel sexy, and it doesn't happen often. So I gotta when when the mood strikes, gotta take advantage of. You gotta it. embrace it, Derek. And and you're putting it out there in the world
0: for somebody because I'm sure. There's somebody who wants to hear that.
1: (laughs) You you say that, but Jessica commonly wants me, wants to not hear me (laughs) while I'm recording. So, we'll see. (laughs) Please stop. (laughs) Jesus Christ. What do you have for the daily stand-up, Frank? So today
0: for the daily stand-up, I went outside.
1: So the last time you reported from your adventures of going outside, you got the twirly poos thrown on you by by Satan's top hat. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was a lot longer.
0: <laughs>
1: I <laughs> So not quite as misadventurous, but Exactly. But more torturous in length. Gotcha. So So I went to a Boy Scout camperee. Oh, my God. Oh, buddy. Oh, this is bringing back some memories, man. When I was a Boy Scout, and, you know, from the ages from, like, 8 to probably 12 or 13, every summer, it was a a campery or whatever they called it. So I'm excited. I'm so excited, Frank. (laughs) This is in my wheelhouse.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm glad it's in somebody's fucking wheelhouse, because... It sure as hell wasn't mine. So, so how, we, how many days of an, an event was this? It it was a three-day event. I went for one day, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. As I put it, I pay a mortgage so I don't have to sleep in a tent in the <laughs> woods.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have a place that is protected from the elements, bugs, wildebeest everything and and it's it's fiscally irresponsible to go camping to be honest exactly i've got to buy wasting money i've got to buy
0: more places to sleep
1: (laughs) after the places that i've already purchased to sleep Uh, that's actually a fantastic point of why you should never go camping and i've i've turned people down for camping like constantly Like, no shit. Like, at least, like, once a year, I turn down people for a camping trip. And I don't have a good reason other than fuck the outside. Um, Yeah. But this is, is like, fiscal responsibility is a fantastic reason to not go camping. So this is great. So this has already been a very helpful discussion. Yeah. That's what I'm here for, man. (laughs) Tell me more about... Your
0: experience. So I've never been to one of these before, which should have been fairly obvious pretty much from the get-go. We arrive at the campground, and it's been raining for like, I don't know, on and off the last week or so, so the ground is slightly moist. Uh Uh-huh. And we're just kind of parking in a field. Me, in my sedan... And all the other parents in their 4 by 4 Super Duty SUV truck things Mm -hmm. with the all-wheel drive and the gigantic tires. And I'm like, I appear to be slightly underdressed. (laughs) So we get there. And it's just like, I'm just going for the day so that he can enjoy the Boy Scout camp festivity thing stuff. Right. (laughs) <laughs> they, they were going to do like, there's a bunch of competitions and stuff. So you've been to the camp. Sure. But for, for those people who have had the good fortune not to have experienced this camporee thing at all, it's, it's where like the boy scout troops all get together and they set up individual camps based on their, their troops. And, and then they have competitions for boy scout things.
1: Can you be more specific, Frank? Well, so, I mean, because it, it sounds like, you know, I, I don't know, just for some reason, that statement of like Boy Scout things uh, struck me as very like, I don't know what these kids do. I, I merely, I'm barely involved. Yeah. I just drive the <laughs> child to
0: the meetings. I'm not necessarily the most involved parent, I guess. I'm a bad parent.
1: What? <laughs> Let's, look, he chose to do something outside. I can understand. Um, I mean, sometimes our kids pick things that are just completely antithetical to everything that we believe. But, you know, typically the things that, that happened at at the Camperies when I was younger was like archery and, you know, fire building and axe throwing, um, other such dangerous things. Like now, now that I'm like Hearing myself say it, like there's a lot of like weapon based things that we did. Oh, yeah. Boy Scouts are,
0: are an armed paramilitary group. <laughs> luckily, luckily, the youngest is too young for such things, and he was there for the Weebelows, uh huh, junior Boy Scout. The right, which which I old think... Cub Scout, junior Boy Scout,
1: exactly yeah, interstitial. You, you have the... Yeah, you have the youngest, which are the Cub Scouts. Then you have the Weeblos, which are you know, above the Cub Scouts, but before actual Boy Scouts. And you have Boy Scouts. And then is there anything after that before Eagle Scout? I don't like, know, I Derek? feel like there's some. Maybe. <laughs> like Wayfarer or something. I don't know. I feel like there's another step. Um, Pathfinders. Because... There we go. I mean, that, that probably is more like actual, like – Guerrilla
0: Recon, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Junior so, yeah, American
0: Ninja Squad. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, there there are age based uh, buckets in which the in which the the Boy Scouts are divided into. So so we blow, which means that they probably were not allowed or encouraged to have have so many weapon based competitions yet.
0: Yeah, so their their skills, let's say, were um, a relay race in which one is supposed to recite the Boy Scout laws, (laughs) rules, Uh mottos, something. The Boy Scout code. That's it. One of those words. The Boy Scout code. I know it forward and backward by heart. Sure you do. Uh, then there was a knot-tying competition. Uh-huh. Um, a flag oh, Wait, for, for speed or for strength of knot? Uh, speed and accuracy of multiple types of knot.
1: Mm, hmm mm-hmm. Okay. Then gotcha. there was
0: a, uh, what they called a flagpole-raising competition, which is where you have the Uh-oh. pieces that are not a flagpole, and then you have to turn them into a flagpole, and then get it standing-
1: like, the the knot tying, yeah, I'm four. Um, the relay race, you never know when you're going to have to run from a bear. That is a good skill. The flagpole raising, I'm not sure that even MacGyver ever, like, saved anybody by raising a flagpole really quickly. Like that. You never know
0: when you're going to find yourself in the woods with two relatively short pieces of wood when what you actually want is a very long piece of wood. That you can put a flag on top of. <laughs> it could happen, Derek. Uh,
1: I'm <laughs> I, Sure, sure. I, I guess if you want to claim something and there's like a minimum height requirement for the flag in which to claim something, you would want it to be fairly high up, but... Yeah, you got to make sure there's no claim jumpers coming around the bend. <laughs> <laughs> the person with the
0: highest flag gets the... It's the land. Oh no, I've lost my gold. <laughs> the uh, And then the last event was the string burn, which the kids kept mischaracterizing as the rope burn, and all of the adults were like, ha ha, no, that's something else. Okay, what, what's, what's the rope burn? You know, rope burn from when you've got a rope, and then that rope slides across your skin sure. too rapidly. And, sure, and but what the is fuck painful. is the string burn then? Ah, like- exactly. Here is the question. So that is, an, that is where they have to, taking only, um, only a, a pre-selected and pre-measured amount of firewood and a pre-selected amount of kindling in the form of some cotton balls and a <laughs> uh, yes. flint and steel fire starter. And they have to start a fire and that fire has to burn through two strings that are at two different
1: heights. Um suspended in the air okay yeah i mean it's fun it's yeah now that you say it like it, it is a little on the nose like they, they could have come up with a, a slightly more creative name than that i mean i can't think of any so like point to them i guess <laughs> but uh, but like So is it who can who can burn those strings the fastest so the fastest so yeah it they
0: start timing as soon as like you pick up the first piece of firewood and they time you through the building of the fire and the lighting of the fire and then the fire without you touching it has got to rise high enough that it burns these two strings which
1: is harder than it sounds. No, 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 no. It, uh, I assure you it's not, Frank. It sounds fucking impossible. Oh, yeah. Like, those those uh, little flint things that they give terrible. you. They're terrible. They're awful. Yeah. Like, if, if you said that I had to start a fire with one of those or, like, freeze to death or starve to death or just be mildly inconvenienced, I'd be fucked. Like, cause I, there's no way, no way that I could start a fire with one of those. I have tried. Like, I was in the Boy Scouts. I was given one of those... Like, my dad was like, ah, you're in the Boy Scouts now. Here's, you know, a a steel and a flint. And, you know, hey, if you can light something on fire, you can burn it. That's fine. I don't think I ever burned anything with that. You were given
0: the keys to the castle, and yet you could never find your way in, Derek. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Ah. It was so sad. It is as difficult as as you would think. Um, The kids have done it before, and... Like I have helped before, so I know the technique, and it's not exactly a lot of fun, but you know uh, we we've done it and we know how to do it, except it has been raining for the last week, and we're trying to build a fire on the ground <laughs> and
1: while there is nothing dry whatsoever. The, the
0: firewood that they provided and the tender that they provided, at least, were both you know stored such that they were dry when the kids started. Okay. But the moment they put them on the ground, they, of course, start <laughs> absorbing water. And so if you don't right. get it lit real quick, it's just <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. And so they were there. They, the guy doing the timing was like, you only get 10 minutes between the time that you start. And if you don't get the fire lit within ten minutes, we go ahead and call it. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. I mean, that's that's a reasonable time limit that <laughs> no right. one's going to need. Nine minutes and fifty-nine seconds later, I'm like, well, sorry, kids, I guess you just aren't going to start this fire. <laughs> and and they didn't. And and it was it was kind of sad. Like the kids were very frustrated. And then of course the you know. Scout man, man, scout man. He comes over and, you know, they're like, man, I don't think we could get this started at all. And he's like, let me see. And he just goes. And
1: it's like. (laughs) Okay, then. It's like just like all 10 fires just spontaneously combust when he strikes at once. Like, it's not fair that you're a wizard, Tim. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it. What does that say? Does it say that that he is that much better than all the kids? Or like is he literally just a wizard?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna vote for wizard. He also had like a an English accent, so I think he was like <laughs> he's on the run
1: from the Harry Potter world. Right. Yeah. He he his escape from Hogwarts was to come to rural America and and torment uh small city kids with Boy Scout activities. The the whole thing about this this like festivity and competition that I'm hearing, I, I'm seeing a very particular theme throughout all of it. It seems like they are training people or training kids to be arsonists, because you know you oh, have yeah. the obviously the fire making. Like the faster you can start the fire, the sooner you can you know tie a rope together and scale down the building and then run away. Like, all of these skills are preparing you. Maybe not the flagpole thing. Secret agents. The the flagpole thing, that one is not quite like the others. But (laughs) the rest of them are training you to successfully get away with arson.
0: I have the stick on fire, and now I want the stick on fire to be high up in the air (laughs) so that I can make things on fire high in the air.
1: So that you can make fire, but higher.
0: Exactly. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, at least the kids had fun. For my kid's troop, of all the kids, three kids showed up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and one of those kids was like the scoutmaster's son. So I uh-huh. don't think he had a choice. Sure. And, and so it was like, just me, and then the scout guy, and then one other parent.
1: And... <laughs> These are competitions between the different troops. Right. And numbers play an important factor in whether or not you do well in these competitions. Oh, and there was one last competition that I
0: forgot, which is probably the most useful of all the competitions. Uh-huh. The stretcher race. So the kids have to take two sticks and a blanket and turn it into a stretcher. Uh-huh. And then take one of the other children and put them in the stretcher and race, and then take the child out of the stretcher and then put him back in the stretcher and then race and then de- disassemble the whole the whole kit. Uh huh. Okay. So there I was mean... there were other teams that were like, you know, it's it was definitely one of those '80s movies where <laughs> you've got the underdogs and you've got uh, the mean kids who are uh-huh. the ones that practiced. Right. And it was it was definitely one of those situations where we get there and it's like you know this is the three little kids that decided to show up from troop eh, whatever
1: <laughs> like all all are like uh, heavyweights or like little giants or you know something of that nature where yeah just just a bunch of little shrimpy kids like have to go against the like athletic do gooders uh, uh just the. Yeah, Just like the insufferable, insufferable people that actually want to be there and want to like do really well. The twenty-three kids from Mountain Brook, whose
0: you know oh. parents are really, really oh. into this and have spent ten thousand dollars on high-end camping equipment and stuff. Uh huh. You know where they've got like a car that transforms into a, a small <laughs> palace in the middle of the field somewhere <laughs> and. You know, it's all those kids in, in one troop, and then it's, like, my kid, who can barely be convinced to go outside, along with his dad, who's like, It burns! <laughs> it burns! <laughs> and and they, they came within, like, a couple of seconds on several different things from actually placing, like, 1st wow. second, third. Uh-huh. The kids actually named, because they each each competitive group got to name themselves, they decided to name themselves the underdogs.
1: <laughs> so they knew going in. They knew. Okay. I, I mean, at least they were they were aware of, you know, if, if not the comedic potential, but at least the reality of their situation. So you, you can't be too disappointed that you got your ass completely beat. Like, you know, that was definitely, I was in that same similar camp but yeah, I, I am certainly aware or certainly familiar with doing all this stuff and getting just your ass beat by oh, yeah. rich kids or um, kids that were just far too into it. And I mean frankly, like we didn't deserve to win, but we wanted to. Like Oh yeah. You just, had you had heart. And <laughs> right, we in had in cinema, that means
0: that you know, at the end somehow you will win. In real life, right. you've got heart, and that just means that you gave it your all, and still got the shit kicked out of you by
1: the <laughs> better prepared, better looking team next door. <laughs>
0: and,
1: and really, is what what could be a better preparation for life than that?
0: Yeah, you you tried, <laughs> and that's that's all we can say is that you tried. <laughs> The great irony of the whole thing is, you know, like, even if we're going for the the movie-based cinematic version of events. Sure. The, the, the number one team was, of course, as I said, the rich kids with their transforming cars and parents mm-hmm. that are way too into this and are probably reliving something through their sure. kids. Absolutely. The other team that was, like, second place um, was a little more, like... They they were the ragtag group. Like we are, we were under the ragtag group of underdogs. We were the guys that aren't even shown in the film, because the guys that did place like third had the husky kid, sure, and the the awkwardly skinny kid. And when you've got you know kids on on the dimorphic edges of the spectrum like that, there that's. That's good television, you know. That's sure. that's good film, and and they so, placed. So I think they were probably the heroes uh, of this particular narrative, as opposed to as opposed to our
1: kids who were just background actors. I was about to say you gave your you gave all the kids the experience that will that will prepare them for the rest of life of being background characters and extras in everything they do. Yeah, you're you're not even really the plucky underdogs, kids. That's. <laughs>
0: That's the husky guy giving it all over there yep. who, yep. you know,
1: managed <laughs> spot is filled.
0: Managed to figure it out because everybody loves a good underdog story. You're just like three kids who you showed up and
1: <laughs> I guess that matters. Frank, I think we should be prepared and go to a question from the audience. I have a very important question
0: to ask you. Is it the apocalypse or something? I was in the ladies' room of a diner. Are you still with me? Ladies' room? And I heard a person open the stall and leave without washing her hands.
1: Oh, no. Now.
0: Not again. I don't need to get into details about what women need to do before leaving the toilet, but as you know, it would be imperative to wash your hands afterwards. Should I prepare a bunker, say goodbye to family and friends, if it's the end of the world, I'd like to say that I was happy to make your acquaintance and wished that I could have met you face to
1: face. Melissa from Brook Reading. Oh. <sighs> Once again, one of the, the most sinister problems of social life has reared its ugly head again. See, and... it's not just the dirty boys. It's the dirty Mm-mm. girls. <laughs> it is the, the dirty unisex people it is it is no longer specific to one or the other we we merely have our scope of of experience which is primarily being being men that go to in, into men's room and uh notice other dirty boys that do not wash their hands but it's it's an epidemic that crosses all boundaries all socioeconomic climates and hmm. i'm i'm very afraid i have noticed and d- d- don't don't question why I noticed, but I have noticed an uptick, a, a a pattern, if you will, in people being dirty boys and, uh, or, or being dirty. Okay. So, so let, let's ungender specify this. Uh, dirty what? D- dirty people sounds too, just, just too non specific. That's like, I'm like, I don't know. A gender nastiness
0: is, <laughs> um, uh, yeah this is this is a sticky wicket <laughs>
1: well that's not that's not it. Um, maybe dirty kids no um, something with pan in it um pan nasties I don't
0: know that just sounds like like a real gooey sort of dessert that you bring to the church function
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll we'll workshop it later. But whenever these these disgusting people of all walks of life uh, commit this heinous crime, um, I I have noticed that it is happening more frequently. Either I'm becoming more neurotic about it, or people are becoming less clean, which means that they are they're absolutely trying to herald in the apocalypse. It, it can there can there be any other explanation than that, Derek? It's 2019. Have you looked around? Have you
0: turned on the news? Uh-huh. I think, I, I, think I can see. It's just, is it worth it anymore? Like...
1: <laughs> are you saying because you're trying to, like, protect yourself from germs and why bother anymore? Yeah. Like, now's the time. Now,
0: Now is the time. Just commit all the toilet crimes,
1: guys. Just... <laughs> Nobody's getting, if nobody's getting prosecuted for anything, just, just. Nobody's getting out of this one
0: alive, man. Nobody's getting out alive. (sighs) Just let's all go, let's all go down together in one filthy, nasty, just gross pile of unwashed hands that.
1: I mean, that does sound like a heartwarming way to go, but. At the same time, that's one of those things where I would rather like – I I don't know. Even if like – okay, let's say there was an entire – a Jim Jones situation where there was some poison Kool-Aid and, and everyone was agreeing to not wash their hands before they got there because it didn't matter. Like – I still probably wouldn't go because somebody <laughs> is preparing that Kool-Aid with dirty hands, and... I, I'm not drinking even, this Kool-Aid
0: after you've prepared it with those nasty, unwashed, suicide you just, hands.
1: You just see, like, Barbara in the back just, like, stirring it with, like, an open hand. Like, just, <laughs> like just stirring Just elbow deep in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes! In, like, a big vat, like a five-gallon bucket of Kool-Aid. No, I... I don't it care wasn't even a clean
0: bucket when they started because they didn't <laughs> care.
1: I mean, I, there's I a can't, leaf in it. I wouldn't want that, but that may not be my primary concern. But no, I, I, I would not be happy with that. And maybe that does put me in a particular category of people that is a little bit too concerned with the bathroom habits of other others. But honestly, like. That's kind of been my whole shtick for, for this podcast. I am far too concerned <laughs> with other people's bathroom habits.
0: Um, so if if we're not going to just... If we're not going to be nihilistic about this, if we're not just push the button and, and bring it on... I mean, who knew? Like, we, we managed to avert in 2012. It was a close thing. There were some Incan deities that had to be put back underground because the
1: for for what reason the Mayan calendar or something yeah to avert the apocalypse ah okay gotcha and And now we're just throwing
0: it away and now we're just we've just thrown it away it's like they worked so hard to preserve the earth for us (laughs) and we have squandered it by not washing our nasty fucking hands and I've got, I've got the gender-neutral term. We've already come up with it, and I think we should revive it. Okay. Toilet criminals.
1: <laughs> we'll call like it, it for what it is. These people are toilet criminals. I think you're right. I think we were trying to be too clever, but that's, that's the long and short of it. They are just simply common toilet criminals. And I, for one, am tired of of seeing the justice system care not a bit about it. What what can we do about this, Frank? Do do we have to, is it our moral responsibility to start up and and self-fund the toilet crimes unit? It's not where I wanted to go, Derek. <laughs> I <laughs> I didn't is... want it to come to this. But no, this is how we get into this situation. Like we always assume that these toilet criminals are going to get their comeuppance through through some other avenue. We think that the justice in this world has to be has to be good enough to bring toilet criminals, you know, the the recompense that they deserve. And we we've been lazy and we've assumed that other people are bringing that justice. When really we we were put on this world to be that justice.
0: I mean, if if the legal system is failing us, Derek, <laughs> then we're not part of law and order toilet crimes unit. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're on our own. We we're Vijan Lantis.
1: <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's that's not bad. We'll get masks. <laughs> I'm trying to think I mean,
0: could could you go so far as to say that we're superheroes of some sort if we're going to
1: put a stop to this? Because no one else will. I mean, superheroes or supervillains. At this point, I'm not. I'm not really concerned. Like as long as the job is getting done, as long as this toilet crime is being stopped, they can call me what they want. I'll be. <laughs> I'll be whatever people need me to be. As long as toilet crime stops. I stop. see.
0: You're you're on the Magneto was right side of things. Exactly. I see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: I... And, I mean, for all that for all that, Melissa is like, hey, this is... We know that it's the end times because it's the ladies' room. I, in the dim reaches of time, had a job where I was the person who cleaned things. I've, I've been there. You know, I've been all up and down...
1: The, the org chart. <laughs> now, you're, you're at the top now, but before you were at the bottom. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm
0: at the top now, Derek. I'm <laughs> solidly in the middle somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> but at least you're, you're away from the bottom. But I, I'm not quite at the bottom, but I, I, had, I did have to perform janitorial duties before. And there was one thing that I rapidly learned that was unexpected. Uh Uh-huh. And that is that while cleaning the men's room was gross, cleaning the ladies' room was
1: a horrifying experience. I, as someone who is in a very similar situation, I will have to agree. I don't know if it was because because we are guys and the, the messes are something that we had not experienced before. But they did seem to be on like a totally different clip. Like there, there was a level of devastation brought to the ladies room that, that the men just didn't see. Oh, yeah. The first
0: time I went in there, I was like, did, did whoever <laughs> did this
1: survive? This seems like a lethal amount of matter to be strewn about. Oh yeah. I'm like, I
0: I don't know. Can can one human being survive having used that much toilet paper? <laughs> I mean this
1: there is so much feces that it had to be a team of people. Like no surely no one human can produce this mess. Like
0: So I I don't know what it is.
1: Like you have an imperative to trace down this person because they are a scientific marvel and (laughs) they need to be studied for their horrible, horrible superpower. So, uh, you know,
0: that was, that was, I, I mean, it was, it was every single time, every single time I went in there, it was a nightmare. There was a few things from that time that I wish I didn't remember in cleaning up the ladies room was definitely one of them just sometimes i'd go in there and go why just <laughs> <laughs> we're a civilized society why would any why would anyone do this <laughs> don't they know that someone has to clean this
1: up like just <sighs> but i mean honestly like take that and just roll it forward to today and you know the the people that are committing toilet crimes today, I I feel that they are probably in the in the category of people that are like, you know, it nothing matters anymore. Uh, left is right, right is left, up is down. So who cares if I shit on the walls? Like, <laughs> I
0: I think we've hit upon what it might be, Derek. It's it's a growing problem, uh huh, and the root cause are the changing tables. <laughs> because that is exposing the next generation at an earlier and earlier age <laughs> to the crimes being committed in the toilet. It's normalizing it. It is It is desensitizing
1: them. <laughs> I mean, that, that infant child is is seeing you know, grown men and women walking out of the bathroom without washing their hands and nobody instantly punishing them. So they're, they're learning by example that it's okay. I learned it from you,
0: dad. <laughs> I learned it by watching you. <laughs> we have to, we have to put a stop to this, Derek. they, Tried to say that it was violent video games uh-huh. that were the root of, of all of societal ill. Clearly incorrect. Clearly incorrect. It's the changing table in the bathroom. <sighs> we have to stop exposing our children to these toilet crimes,
1: lest they become the next generation of toilet criminals themselves. But the, the thing is, Frank, you can't, you can't fix everybody you can only fix the the people that are are within your sphere of influence um though i do find that a tasteful pamphlet in in the bathroom may help like i i i th- have thought about it like i I'm, I'm half goofing half not like i think there should be a series of pamphlets created um not not super high quality paper, or anything they need, they need to be so cheap as to be massed, mass created um, by the millions, and distributed into every restroom. That just explain how germs work. Uh, the the bare minimum of of germ prevention, and you know, <laughs> maybe just some stats. Like of all the things, like if I, I forget exactly what the statistic is, but there is a statistic that if. Anything within like like 50 feet of a bathroom, there is fecal matter on it. Like that is unconscionable that we live in a society where that is true. Maybe we can, it's kind of like a scared straight. It's kind of like a chick track, but instead of teaching about Jesus, it's teaching about the feces.
0: <laughs> and- I, I think you're onto something, Derek. And immediately what comes to mind, the best the best medium for this, we print it directly onto the toilet paper. <laughs> so that they can't help but be exposed to the message. And it just says, wash your dirty fucking hands over and over again. <laughs> or, or maybe it's more like bazooka gum. You know, each individual sheet has like a little, a little cute thing on it. But I just, I don't want people to
1: get distracted. Right, right. I was about to say, like, we, we if if we're going that route, like, people are in a hurry sometimes. Like, we need to make sure that the message is concise and it is bolded.
0: <laughs> Just in in sequence. Sheet number one, wash. Sheet number two, your. Sheet number three, fucking. Sheet number four, hands. And then just over and over again, it's just repeated.
1: This this is not funny. This is this is just brainstorming how to actually fix it, and like this is deadly I, serious. I'm sad that I don't have enough money to fund these things. Like, let's contact Shark Tank. Let's contact like a humanitarian organization with this plan because it is it is a it is an imperative. We we have a responsibility, Frank.
0: I want to be there for that shark tank pitch already. I'm like, sharks, how many times have you been in the restroom and someone has opened the stall and walked out and you never heard them wash their hands and then like some music and then I whip off a thing and I'm like presenting and then we've, we've got to come up with a name for
1: this product, Derek. Right. Oh, okay. We we need, we will workshop that offline. We will come up with a pitch because I feel it's irresponsible for us to let this one go. Um, but for my for my mental health, I do believe we need to get to an issue from the internet. All right. This is this issue is entitled "How Can I Ask My Guests to Leave" by Armin B.
0: This is a good one. This is why this is why we don't have guests on the podcast. So
1: <laughs> carry on. Some weeks ago, my girlfriend and I invited another couple to our home, which is about 15 minutes away from theirs. I hadn't seen them in years, and my girlfriend didn't know them at all. So they got to know each other, and we had a nice conversation and everything. Around 6 p.m., and they had arrived at 1 p.m., I was starting to get nervous because I had an important meeting with a friend at 7 p.m. I could not postpone. I made a mistake by not telling the other couple in advance that I had to do things at 7 p.m. because I didn't expect them to stay that long in the first place. Uh, They enjoyed our company and didn't seem to want to leave soon. Finally, and luckily, somewhere around 6.45, they decided to leave. Uh, I kind of supported them in their intent by not saying things like, oh, what a pity you could have stayed longer, but rather, okay, it's getting late. We have to prepare for tomorrow's workday in order to make them leave immediately. Uh, The whole time, I was wondering how to tell them how to leave, how to tell them to leave without making them feel bad. I was thinking about how bad my excuse would sound, although it was true. How can one handle such a situation properly? So, I mean, they were only there for, you know, five and a half hours or five hours and 45 minutes. Uh, so I would say a reasonable visiting time. But I mean, it depends on what you're
0: doing. Cause sure. And, and I get it. Once... Once people have begun to to couple up or whatever, they invariably become unfun. <laughs> and so when when they are offered a tantalizing glimpse of what it's like to have fun again, they they tend to grab onto it and not want to let go.
1: Uh-huh, <laughs> and then they overstay their welcome.: Sure. Now I, I, and I get that, but but I think that that is. I think that is something that is universal enough that I, I think you should lay out some ground rules before hanging out with another couple. Like, especially, well, no, I'm not saying especially. Um, sometimes people just want to get away or or like you said, re-spark some of that excitement in their life. Uh and there needs to be some ground rules set that, okay, you know, sure, this will be exciting, but it will be it will be ending by 7 PM. Like how how would it be best to present that to them? Uh is that something that you have like on a uh maybe on a business card or like in the evite that you send them? Like, okay, here are the ground rules. Like I think I think ground rules is good. I think laying out
0: expectations early is the key. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely saying up front, hey, I've got something at seven. One, like, that, that set expectations. Two, it makes you seem like you're more fun than you are.
1: <laughs> like, you, like you have to schedule your, your hangout times uh, exactly. a, ahead of time because it's so busy? Exactly. Like, this this going to improve your social cachet. Oh, Okay, so yeah, like so you start planning out uh, all your hangouts in advance and you try to double book them uh, or or put them multiples in a single day uh so that you can seem like your schedule is extremely full and you can say things like oh sorry I can't have can't have drinks from uh, 4 to 6 that's when I'm going to the trampoline park with uh Jerry and Monica um I could pencil you in from uh from, you know, 1 to one thirty, maybe. We could have a quick afternoon drink. Stop um, by for a, a coffee. And I, I think
0: you can do this even if you are like pretty much all of us honestly are. Seriously and terminally uncool. Uh-huh. Just, just make up limitations. Make up boundaries. Set those boundaries early. Make those boundaries seem like you've got a much richer and entertainment-filled life than you really do. Just like, yeah, I would love to get together, but I'm going to have to wrap it up by 5.30 because I've got a dinner engagement. That dinner engagement is some microwave chicken nuggets. That's but... <laughs> so about to say.
1: <laughs> I'm dining with a king. Burger king. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, So I have... In the recent past, done that to to somebody before. Said, "Hey, I've got a thing at like five o'clock, so I need to be you know peacing out by then." It wasn't true. I just I just really wanted to be home around that time. Like, like I can be far away from the house, and my my PJs just call to me. It's like Derek. Those pants are wildly uncomfortable. Come put come me to on to us, Derek. <laughs> right, come come to us, be. Be free in your own home. Um, we have elastic waistbands here.
0: <laughs> no,
1: no belt buckle clasp insight. Um, so yeah, sometimes I will even if I don't have something planned, I will say, Oh yeah, I, I gotta be out by like you know 6:30 or something like that. It it'll give me a, a decent amount of time to you know hang out and chill. But uh yeah, if uh if I know if uh, I mean the thing is like I know me. And about halfway through whatever I'm doing, I'll be like, man, I'd, I'd really fucking like to be home right now. Like, just, just really like to be home. <laughs> so, so, instead of me just not going all together, I, I pre plan myself an out so that I can just, I can just escape, just go home, <laughs> get in them sweatpants and grab some Cheetos. That's a lie. I don't have Cheetos. I'm. It's probably some sort of protein bar. But still, it's, it's at Kale my house. Kale chips. All right. Uh, so for, for the interest of time, why don't we do another issue from the internet? I'm down for this. So the title for this one is Coworker Regularly Placing His Foot on My Desk. How to Get Out of the Situation by Jimser. Jimser asks... A certain coworker of mine has a habit of placing his foot on my desk while conversing with me. My desk is an L-shape, and where he stands is not across the desk from me, but at the end of one of the legs. This makes me uncomfortable, as his crotch is at a relatively close distance to my face. I cannot roll my chair back too far because the other leg of the desk and the wall are behind me. The situation is further complicated because I am a woman, and he is my direct supervisor. I honestly believe that he does not know it makes me uncomfortable, nor do I believe there's anything sexual about the behavior. He is in his late 50s, and I really think he is just used to a different, quote, time and place. I realize the most honest solution would be to directly confront him about the issue, but in the past when I have done this, it always results in this odd period that can last for days where he acts like he has been offended, mopes around, and genuinely avoids me. My questions are... Is it appropriate for someone to place their feet on your desk when speaking to you? And is it appropriate for a supervisor to place their feet on a subordinate's desk? So I'll open up with, this is one of the people who
0: will be overthrown when the time comes for societal change, Derek. Uh-huh. This, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. This guy is a class Do you think so? A fucknut asshole. All right, Derek, I'm a tall, tall man. Uh-huh. Even with my height, given given the average height of your usual work surface desk, uh-huh, it would be awkward in the main for me to get my foot up onto the desk. That's like I'm doing some deep stretches
1: kind <laughs> right, of you you of getting up there. You were doing at least a, a, a solid, you know, mid-level yoga pose to get yeah. that foot up on the desk. Like
0: chair, like the, the base of a chair, or or maybe one of those rolling uh, two-drawer file cabinets. Uh-huh. Like that, conceivably, someone can comfortably place their foot upon and be like, I just like standing like this. Right. Because I'm Captain Morgan. <laughs> But if he's going to hike his shit 36 inches into the air, three feet, he's going to be hiking up and putting his foot down. That's that's not normal. That's not that's not a comfortable position.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't think that, that there's an argument to say that they are you know normal about it. But do you think there's not any chance that they are just completely oblivious? to zero chance to the posture they're enacting in my
0: heart of hearts this guy knows exactly what he's doing especially since she's already pointed it out right and so he gets offended and butthurt and and swans around for a while before going back to his 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 nard parade (laughs) his his nard thrusting
1: ways Um, yeah no
0: this is this is just regular old run of the mill sexual
1: harassment. <laughs> so, so I I wish there was a little more detail in here because I have had a I have had a boss that was a little too I mean it, I wouldn't even call it friendly like he just he was just oblivious to the space that he took up because he had the privilege <laughs> in which he could be completely ignorant of any space that he took up. Uh, and and he did, often. Like, he did not realize that, you know, when he was, like, leaning back and stretching that he was, like, nearly punching people in the face. Um, you know, if if he was, like, coming out of a door, like, he would throw the door open regardless of who would be behind the door. He, he was not... <laughs> I wouldn't call him a good person. He's not a good example of, like, somebody who was... Still woke but but oblivious, like if that can coincide in, in a being ever um but like i I can believe that somebody can can be this oblivious like like he would he would do those type of things like he would get like um, he was a very athletic guy, so he would commonly like do stretches, so he wouldn't like do do the the Captain Morgan pose on a desk, but he would literally like put his foot. Uh, in like a a hamstring stretch onto my desk, um, and it, it kind of like bend down, touch his toes while they're on my desk, and then have a full blown conversation. That is not to say that <laughs> that someone yeah, couldn't... but he
0: wasn't he wasn't like dick out for Harambe about it.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: No, no. this this seems a very, like, the description was of a very crotch-forward pose, which, right, like, it's not going to make for good audio. I could attempt it right now, and I can say, (laughs) I already know this is going to be wildly uncomfortable. It is not the kind of pose one just assumes unconsciously, like, yes, the most comfortable way for me to stand is for (laughs) my other foot to be hiked all the way up onto someone else's desk. Right, and that, that's just not a comfortable place. That's like if you're doing hammy stretches because you're that kind of douche. Like maybe, maybe, but not not the Captain Morgan with your leg, you
1: know, somewhere near your fucking armpit. <laughs> so, so the, the I think the saving grace uh, for this question asker is that at least, like, this is a bad situation. The best of a bad situation is that at least it's probably an office environment so they're probably not wearing like like sailing shorts, like mid thigh or higher shorts. Like they're probably in slacks, but at least it is it is somewhat covered by fabric instead of getting a much closer look at the inappropriate area. It's not better. <sighs> I know. I'm just just, just trying just...
0: I know you're trying to find the silver lining, Derek, but there's no silver
1: lining to this rain cloud. So I mean, do we do we pull an old tool out of the toolbox and just reinstate the no fault cock punch?
0: I think we do, Derek. I think it has to be done. <laughs> it's it's the only way. I mean There's only certain ways that people learn.
1: And talking and talking has done nothing.
0: Yeah, obviously obviously this guy isn't listening. The only thing he's going to listen to
1: is low key testicular torsion. <laughs> low key te- te- testicular trauma is the only way to get through to some people. Um like once I will say like one will do it. Like yeah. That's it. Like there's there's no more uh if he comes back for seconds then there are some bigger questions at hand. But no, that first one should fix him. Once, once the tackle has been tapped,
0: you, you know that pose is not a safe pose anymore. Like right now, right now, his conception of this is that it's a safe place for him to put his dangly bits Uh huh. all in the air in this person's face because he believes not he has the to, privilege to, and the power to do so right to do so. And he needs to be informed (laughs) that no, no, nay, nay, no longer.
1: (laughs) Oh God. Honestly, I I think that is the only thing that, that can work with this because, uh, he's your boss. Uh, you can try to go to HR. Um, but that it's, it is proper. Like that's what should happen. Like you should go to HR. Uh, but it may not have a result that you most want, and and that sucks. Like that, that is a shitty position that should not happen. But it, but it, it occasionally might. So you really have to, <laughs> you have to take your your workplace well being into your own hands, or rather into your own knuckles, and execute our patented maneuver. I'm thinking the only other alternative. Is
0: the plausible deniability stapler accident. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Walk me through the execution of such. I mean, sometimes you go to staple, like, you know, that big report. Uh Uh-huh. And and,
1: you need a hard surface to put it against.
0: And then you just, you slip and (laughs) accidentally staple this guy's nutsack about 15 times
1: i think the first three are the only ones that you could explain away as accidental not that i'm saying this still isn't a good like strategy but the the first three you could get away with after that you're gonna have to get creative with your explanations um I mean, it's
0: just a classic. You're you're acting like you're trying to, to pull them out, and then you slip again, and then maybe there's a fall somewhere in there.
1: But I think the anguish screams of your boss uh, may be too distracting to properly execute staples four through 15. All right. I suppose we can limit it to three. Uh-huh. But, but I mean, a, a well-placed three will, I feel, get the job done. Yeah, I
0: guess, like, one and then two for learning and three to grow on.
1: Uh, three is all you need, so aim, aim true. Want to punch the clock, Derek? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This has been a PSA for for crotch awareness month be aware of your crotches men i mean i honestly think if there were if
0: there were more jimmy accidents out there people <laughs> would probably be much more aware of where they're putting
1: their crotch things have been too safe for too long like <laughs> too long oh all right so before we go please 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 send us your questions uh we love questions frank's loves questions i love questions We love your questions, and we need some more of them. So if you would, send them to questions at WLICast.com. Check out WLICast.com, where you'll find links to our social media, Patreon, merch store, and other cool miscellany. And speaking of Patreon, thank you to our wonderful patrons. Uh, To our listeners who aren't supporting the show on Patreon, consider doing so. You'll help us make the show better, and you can also also get some on-air shout-outs, swag bags, and t-shirts. You can check it out at patreon.com forward slash cast. And please do us a solid and tell someone you know about the show. Getting more listeners and growing our audience will only mean good things for the show. So do your part and spread the word. This has been the work life imbalance podcast.
0: I'm Frank Eastman. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. To the
1: testicle trauma <laughs> unit. That would be, I mean, that would be a very interesting installment in the franchise. I feel, especially, especially since the guy, the producer's name is Dick Wolf.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's got to be an episode that that actually has Dick Wolf, right? <laughs>